All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is March 13th, uh, Monday here. I know we had a little bit of a three-day break from the show, no show on Friday. I was out in Denver with uh, some other members of the Saber Sim team enjoying the DraftKings live final event. So it was a good event. Congrats to all the winners in both the basketball live final and the hockey live final, but we are back at it this week. Uh, for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at Saber Sim. This is a show where we go over how to use the Saber Sim app, answer any and all DFS related questions that come in live in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not joined up in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it. A lot of sharp users in the community, uh, always willing to answer questions and, and jump in and, and uh, talk on different topics. So great time to be in the discord. And uh, that being said, what do we have on tap tonight? Looks like we got a seven game NBA slate as well as a three game hockey slate. I know that uh, tennis just locked as well. I know there was uh, some leak going on. So just a great time to be playing DFS, be joined up with Saber Sam. If you're not joined up, want to check us out. There's a link to a seven-day, no-strings-attached free trial. And we do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Come on, get your questions answered, and talk some DFS. But that being said, going to get SaberSim pulled up here. Uh, plenty of questions to get us started today, so it should be a solid show. If anybody has any questions, uh, always a good time to get them in. So going to start off with this one from T-Bergs here. So it looks like the first question we have. And T-Berg said, with the new Saber score filters, if we have multiple entries and they are from significantly different contest types, examples, single entries with 1K to 10K entrance, and then other entries from large uh, 50K plus uh, 20 max or run 50 max contests, what would be the best way to use the correct contest specific Saber score filter in terms of total entrance? for each contest while still keeping a unique lineup for every individual lineup um, on the slate. Previously, I would find a midpoint slider setting and build all the lineups based off that. But since we no longer have ownership fade, uh, slider trying to figure out how to apply different ownership fade for my elevator contest versus the diversifiers without having to do two or three builds. Okay, so... Uh, Thank you for, for all the detail on this one. I think I got the gist of the question. And, uh, you know, it kind of just comes back to like, hey, you know, um, before previously what would happen is that your ownership fade slider would change based on the type of contest you're playing, based on where we think, um, you know, the appropriate amount of ownership that needs to be like faded or 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 used um, for to, in order to like help you win a specific contest, right? Uh, so that is all being taken account for now in saber score 2.0 so this is a really good saber score 2.0 question glad it's our first one to get us kicked off today and what i would say is that you know i think i think that the idea that you pose like toward the end here of like without having to do two or three builds um i i'm i'm somebody who uses two builds a lot i think that you know and it sounds like you're familiar with the profit plan talking about elevators and diversifiers so i think that you know if you do not do two builds where you're setting up your 20s and 150 maxes in one build and your single entries and three maxes in another build, then, you know, you're basically sacrificing 
uh, not having to run that second build to manage all of your lineups together, which I think is okay. But like, that's kind of a personal choice. Um, for, for me, the way I like to think about it is that, you know, what contest is going to need, you know, the, the highest score or like the most upside to win. And then I basically optimize for that contest. And the way I think about it is that, okay, you know, a lineup that might take fifth in, you know, this 150 max could probably take first in, in a single entry. Uh, so, you know, if I optimize for the, the bigger contest, the, the harder to win contest, you know, the, the big 150 max, like if you're playing FanDuel, like, you know, maybe like the piggy bank, if you're playing DraftKings, uh, maybe like the $4 20 max. Right. So optimize for that largest contest and then let the scores have like a trickle down effect where it could eff- effectively win your other $1 single entries, your $2 single entries, your $1 three maxes, whatever other contest you're playing. So if you want to do just like one build, house it all from there. I think that's totally fine. Uh, the only thing is like, you know, you say you're going to play a unique lineup in every entry. So if you're playing like the 150 max on FanDuel, then all the single entries, you know, this, this unique number might be like 170 lineups, let's just say. And you really don't have much control over what of which of your 170 lineups ends up in your $1 single entry, right? So uh, a little more variance there. I think that's why having like a diversifier build and an elevator build is a little better. You know, your number of elevators, your single entries and three maxes, like total unique lineups is not going to be as high, maybe like 15. um, And I can't even think of like 15 contests where you could do that, but you know, it's going to be in this like one to 20 range. So you can kind of micromanage uh, those lineups a little better. You can manage your exposures a little tighter, your stack types, your team stacks, whatever it is. So that's another reason, like, I think that is like really important. And especially as you, uh, especially as like your bankroll grows, as your contest selection grows, you know, on Fandle, you're going to go from like your $1 single entry, your $1 three max, your $2 single entry, your $5 single entry, your $10 single entry. And then, you know, from there it goes to 25. There's a 50, there's a hundred, there's, you know, these uh, three max, like larger contests, right? So I think you're going to kind of want to know what lineups are going into those uh, a little more like diligently. So that is another reason that I think um, running two builds makes a lot of sense, especially like as your bankroll grows as well. But those are just some thoughts. Uh, if I missed anything, let me know. But I think, you know, just coming back to like the original question and, and my answer is that, you know, optimizing for the contest where you're going to need the most upside can only help you win uh, basically any contest in your lobby. So that's that's uh, what what I'm going to stick with. All right. See a couple questions coming in in the YouTube chat. Uh, we are going to get to all the questions in the Discord first and then we'll jump over. So Please uh, be patient with me. I will make sure everyone gets an answer. All right. Bill's Nut 66 said, what is a good process for post-build in NBA 20 max with the new Sabre score 2.0? Right now, all I do is up the uniques. I'm not seeing great results so far. Much different than what I got with a previous optimizer I had to use for many years. What else should I be doing? That will improve my success rate. Okay, so good question here. So let's go back to the home screen. So, I think that, you know, when it comes to adding value to Sabersome, right? Uh, Adding value to the process. Uh, Jordan and I did a great video on this. And, you know, this is not like in the post build, but I think that you can add a lot of 
value in the pre-build. So if you go over to our YouTube channel, you go over to playlists, uh, how to beat NBA DFS in 2022. We did this video, upgrade your NBA DFS process with this NBA research strategy. Frankly, I think that this video is like geared towards second half NBA with all of the late scratches, with all of the tanking, with all of, um, you know, just like the, the crazy news we get throughout the day and, you know, a bunch of guys that you never heard before playing at like super low price. Um, you know, Detroit has been like sitting a bunch of guys. The Pacers have been sitting a bunch of guys. Now they're playing each other. Like what does that game even look like? We do walk through like a strategy or strategies and thought processes of how to add value to the NBA product. And I would highly recommend checking out this video. I think it's very relevant with like the way at this point in the season, I would say. And then as far as like in the app. So what I would say is that, you know, make it a habit to always late swap before every lock time. Uh, another new change that just came to the app recently is that we are now updating ownership after slate lock. So this 4 p.m. game is going to start. And then if there is news at any other point, we are going to continue to update ownership. Uh, the We are not pulling in actual ownership from contests yet. That is like the next step in this progression. But what we are doing is we are essentially like locking in the player's ownership values for the games that have started and then using, uh, making sure that those ownerships do not change while rebuilding based on new projections. So that is like a big, big uh, addition that we have just made. We're really excited about that. And we are excited to take that one step further in the future and, and uh, get to a point where we are using actual ownerships from contests, but that that'll be a big help. So I think that, you know, along with late swapping, waiting for news, uh, getting updated ownership is like another really big uh, advantage. And the builder is going to be able to take that and then sort your method, sort your lineups using whatever sorting method appropriately. And then from there, uh, I frankly, I don't think there's too much more in the post build. I think that the value is going to be in the, pre-build and you know looking into these like really strange situations like we see with like we already talked about like Detroit I mean they have seven players out tonight and then the Pacers have five uh a lot of players that are lower priced that are not have not seen a lot of minutes this year like try and add value in those places uh we do do a segment on this show where we go over the NBA injury report I try to tell you guys you know places that I think uh you should keep your eye on throughout the night for injuries and places that I think you guys can add value. So another thing that we just do kind of on the show, um, sometimes I like wait for questions to come in, but I do think that is an opportunity to give you like a direction, like go that way maybe on tonight's slate and give you guys some ideas. All right. Next question here from the Phantom. And it looks like Will jumped in here. Uh, Will's response to this question was pretty solid. I'm, I'm just going to uh, iterate through this so everyone can hear it. So Phantom said, in tennis and MMA, the default sliders include correlation. I don't understand why this would be included at all if allow opposing players is set to false. Even if it were set to true, I don't understand where correlation adds value in these sports. What am I missing? For example, in tennis, the players are usually negatively correlated in the range of minus uh, 0.99 to minus 0.96. So it seems trivial to try account for correlation anyway. I'm trying correlation to I'm turning correlation to zero unless somebody can convince me there is value added by considering it. Thanks. So really good question. 
And uh, what Will said, and then I'll add some notes on this myself. So Will said the support team might have a better answer, but it will have zero impact if you do not allow opposing players. Just every lineup will have the same correlation of zero. But if it is ticked on, at least in MMA, you will want to be including the correlation. There is a big difference in having a fight stack of a wrestle-heavy five-round fight versus a striking-heavy three-round fight, etc. Okay, so thank you, Will, for jumping in here and, and giving us your thoughts on this. I think that, you know, what... Um, one thing that like I'm kind of picking up from this is that, you know, there there are like uh, strong, you know, positive correlations, but then there are also strong negative correlations, like you pointed out, right? So um, I'm gonna pick somebody I can I can say their name. Taylor Fritz here is playing Sebastian Baez, and uh, for this tennis match, uh, this is like the late slate coming up here, and there is a minus 0.97 correlation, right? If we go to build lineups, allow opposing players is off by default. I. I've heard in some previous MMA content that that Will's done that, you know, there is like a point in, especially with like slate size where allow play, allowing p- opposing players, um, one gets turned on by default because there's so few options. And then two can make sense. One for like differentiation on these really small fight on these really small, like cards where uh, like he, like he stated, it's like uh, some wrestle heavy, um, opponents where there's going to be a lot of control time and a lot of points um, due to like the fight going long and, and these fighters being like wrestle heavy. So can make some sense. Uh, you know, when those opportunities do arise, it is important that we do have the correlation values uh, so we can reference them when that time does come. But I think that, you know, for, for uh, today's like tennis match, it was like 16 matches. You know, you're probably not going to need to, uh, allow opposing tennis players against each other, especially in tennis. But I think that, you know, it is okay to turn it to zero. I just think that, you know, it's, as long as you understand that what it's only relevant when a, allow opposing players is on. So, so being at four with allowing, allowing opposing players off is the same as that being at zero. So you can change it if you want. Um, but you know, this, these uh, details for your build, do not include slate size here where it's style entry limit and entrance. This is not account, you know, for how many matches are on the slate. Right. So I think it's always important to like reference uh, when you're entering your contest. Okay. How many, how many matches am I building for? You could take that into account and then decide um, if you need to ultimately end up turning this on or not. But I think leaving it off for the most part is fine. uh, And then correlation will have no impact. All right. Uh, next question. Oh, this is a good one. So just a uh, like kind of like general stream note here. Uh, DJ Weez said, what happens if I can't tune in? So you can watch the show uh, back out on, on any um, streaming software like Spotify, like I'm sorry, like podcast platforms. So we're on all podcast platforms, Google, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, etc. I know there's like uh, there are like a uh, not so mainstream ones that we're also on, but we do a good job of like making the show widely available to everybody. Or you can watch it on our YouTube channel. There is an office hours playlist. Just go to our YouTube channel, uh, type in office hours in the search bar and that playlist will come up. All of the shows are um, recorded and timestamped. So if like you asked a question and you only want to listen to your response, the team goes in and then hyperlinks every single question that's answered. So you can just look in the details and then click one of those options. So 
best two places to listen are uh, YouTube and any major podcast platform. But good question there. All right. Uh, Kay Crum has a question here. And the question is, for FanDuel NBA, do you use a minimum salary? If so, how much? All also, I feel like I have been spreading myself a little thin with my 150 max MME. I get some decent scores at the top, but end up losing uh, money on the back end. Any suggestion on how you would tighten things up without sacrificing too much upside? Thanks in advance. Okay, good question. So let's ho- hover over to FanDuel here. And uh, for both FanDuel and DraftKings, I use the minimum salary in, uh, that is recommended in the app here. I frankly don't think twice about it, but I do think that it is a fun experiment sometimes to come in and turn min salary to zero and then build some lineups. And then what you can do is you can inversely sort by salary in the post build and see what the lowest salary lineups that you're getting are when min salary is essentially uh, open to any value here. So I'm going to go into the lineup sorting. I'm going to go to salary. This is going to sort descending first where the highest salary is up at the top, which would be the max of 60K. And then I'm just going to click uh, the salary button again. It will now sort from uh, low to high. So in this build, the lowest salary lineup that we're getting is 55,300. And it looks like we have like two 55,000s. And then it jumps up to 56 uh within you know seven lineups we're up to like the 57k range so this is like with no caps so um you know builder is like pretty good i mean i think one thing that's interesting is that even at 55k salary all these guys are like more than seven percent owned you know it's not throwing in these like random you know one percent owned min salary guys uh the lowest salary players are 4700 this is like a pretty balanced build overall so pretty interesting there just to see like what the builder does with no restrictions um and then you know but i think that the min salary is 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 effective especially for something like nba you know projection and salary are like pretty highly correlated in a sport that is very projectable so i think leaving the min salary at fifty-eight thousand is fine i think that is like more than enough flexibility for the builder most of the time uh, this number used to be a lot tighter, like probably closer to like 59,000. But with a lot of the updates we've made to sim diversity and how the builder works and how the builder builds your lineups, uh, we loosened it to 58,000. I really don't think you need to go below that most nights unless there's like some crazy high value slate with like a bunch of value guys uh, where where uh, you might want to loosen it. But uh, I think 58K is fine. Don't really think twice about it too much. And then second part of the question, I feel like I've been spreading myself a little thin with my 150 max. Uh, how would you tighten things up without sacrificing too much upside? Okay, good question here. So this this is an interesting question. Uh, I I feel like it's a little contradictory in a way because basically when you're when you're spreading yourself thin, you are sacrificing upside to get thin to get more exposure to more players, more teams, et cetera. Like that is essentially spreading yourself thin. Um, and then you say, you know, how would I tighten tighten that up without sacrificing too much upside? Uh, by tightening things up, you're, what you're probably going to do is sacrifice diversity instead of upside here. So so uh, as an example, we have 20 lineups here. We have mini-neek set to one. 
we're going to, our, our lineups are going to be the top 20 lineups. Uh, these are sorted by, I'm, I'm going to switch back to the new Sabre score sorting. So seven game slate, uh, let's do like, let's do large slate, uh, 50K plus, right? So these are going to be the top 20 lineups based on Sabre score 2.0 uh, for like a large field contest, right? As soon as we come in here and start increasing min uniques, um, and then now our bottom rank lineup is 56. We are essentially sacrificing expected value for diversification to smooth out your variance, to uh, create less swings in your lineups, etc. Like that is really what is happening there. Um, if if you feel like you're spread too thin, maybe maybe you're like maxing out mini uniques, right? And uh, you're noticing that you know your exposures are like really really flat, and um, you know you you might not have as many lineups near the top as you want, I would dial back my min uniques. I would focus on playing lineups that are graded higher in my pool uh, because the lineups that are graded higher toward the top are, are what Sabersim is saying are the best lineups. The The problem is that Sabersim does not understand risk management, does not understand bankroll management. Uh, that is where you come in as like the financial advisor, right? Sabersim is, is like, this this machine that is building you like what it believes to be just the best lineups and sometimes that could be like a uh 1v1 from a different lineup right there are nine players in this lineup it's like okay use all eight of these guys because these guys are really good and then swap out this one guy because you can't have duplicated lineups right so that's like basically what's happening and then you're like hold on you know let's let's slow down a little bit you know we can't have all our eggs in one basket uh you know i don't want to be having these like minus 90% ROI nights. Uh, I do want to like think about, you know, my bankroll allocation and and how my lineups are going to do as a whole on the night. Right. So that's where you come in as, as you know, the, the financial advisor and then make these adjustments. I think that it sounds like you're probably like getting too, um, too wide, too many players in your player pool, too many mini uniques, et cetera. Uh, And it sounds like you want to dial that back. So I would focus on like, you know, looking at what the bottom rank lineup in your pool is and probably trying to stay somewhere within like the top, um, you know, especially in the top 50% of your pool, maybe even in the top like 25% of your pool in your case where you uh, do not want to get super wide here. So those are the steps that I would take immediately and then see if uh, you uh, find any better results doing that. But really good question. All right. Uh, next question here from Vegas Vitsi. And this one says, when using the geometric mean while building NASCAR lineups, do you recommend also using uniques after the build completes or does setting the GL mean give the lineups enough uniqueness? Uh, Non-pro user here, so I set my GL mean before building. Second question, can the GL mean be used in other high-variance sports like MMA? Okay, really good question here. So um, let's go over to NASCAR, and we'll go back to yesterday's uh, race. And I'm just going to hover back there real quick. Okay, so boom, we have our projections and stuff. Uh, You know, like you said, non-pro user, you're going to come in here. You're going to set your lineup aggregate rule. You're going to do, you know, my own geo mean, no more than, and then it would depend on the contest you're playing, how many dupes you want to shoot for, or like what you want your guardrail number to be. You set that in here, you save it, boom, your rules created, right? From there, uh, what, what do we do in the post build, right? So I'm just going to imagine that I set the GL mean rule here. Going to just run a couple lineups. 
But basically, the way I like to think about this is that if I am playing a sport where an optimal lineup is probably going to be needed to win, I like to keep my main uniques at one. I do not want to have a scenario where I am blocking myself from the optimal lineup because uh, you know it could be a it could easily be a one v one swap where you swap out one single piece and um, that that is the difference between having the optimal and having and not having it right. I think another like experiment you could do is go from one min unique to two min uniques and then see how much farther down in the pool that brings you. So I set my min uniques to two. That technically didn't change my lineups. What that means is that all 20 of my top lineups actually have two drivers different in every one of them. And then we also added this new feature, if you guys can see, where it's, it shows you the number of sim optimals. So when we are running a uh, slate simulation at Sim Diversity 10, we are simming the slate one single time. So we're simming this, uh, the race one time, and then we're building the optimal base off of that. And we do it 500 times. Uh, what can happen is the same lineup can show up as optimal more than once, but uh, we can't give you the same lineup more than once. So the builder will keep reiterating through that process until it finds 500 unique lineups. But we now show you how many times each individual lineup be, uh, was optimal in our simulation uh, of, you know, when we were trying to build your pool of lineups. So I think that's a really cool feature. You can see it here. Um, and then we do have a, a single game um, sorting metric, which takes that into account. But we just wanted to add it as like a summary statistic for all users to see. And then you can also also sort by sim optimals here if you wanted to do that. Uh, but but those are probably going to be toward the, the higher end of your pool anyways, but just wanted to call that out here. Uh, so, so here, so I, I think that it's okay to experiment with this to see, you know, how many lineups are available with these differences in them if you want to i just think you know you should be aware of like what you're sacrificing when you do that so i think this is like pretty interesting even at min uniques three we're only at lineup 31 out of 500 here uh so if you wanted to go that route like cool do it i mean what there's not a big difference between your 20th lineup and your 31st lineup i just think that you know if you were to increase this number to three and you're already all the way at like lineup 500 out of 500, I would dial that back because you're probably being too restrictive and making the builder go and find these lineups at the bottom of your pool just to meet this one criteria that you're setting uh, up here at the top. So kind of a balance there. I, I would take it on like a slate by slate basis and uh, experiment with it and see what kind of impact that has on the lineups that you're getting from your pool. And then just, just another note here on um, using GeoMean in general. Uh, I would always check to see what the ownership is of the like the lowest owned players in your player pool. And I would standardize that, especially when using a GeoMean rule before the build. So, you know, this is not a great example, but sometimes you could use it in a sport where there are players with like essentially 0% ownership. And that is going to make, the ownership values either like really, really small if it's like 0 0.8 or something like that. Or if it's like actually zero, then the geo mean will be zero because it's a multiplication problem. So normally what I do in sports where there's like a captain and a utility, I'll standardize uh, the lowest owned captains and utility players. I'll do something like 3%. So 
for every, anybody under 3%, I just go in and I change them all to 3%. And I just do that to um, make sure that the values do not throw off the GL mean because that's like basically the last thing I want to happen when I'm inputting a rule like that. So just a, a sidebar on that. And then second question here, can the GL mean be used in other high variance sports like MMA? So, so yes. So I think that, you know, GL mean is very useful in any sport that requires an optimal NFL showdown, NBA showdown, NASCAR, MMA. Um, what, let me just look through the list here. I think, I think those four are F1 for sure. Definitely F1 here. Um, I think that's like probably a solid start on like the five places that I would use geomine rules. And um, I think that each, each, each of my processes for all of those sports basically includes that. So, uh, you know, it's really important to retain as much of the first place prize share as you can when you do win those contests. And then, you know, going back to the comment I just said, for all of those sports, I am making sure I have some ownership standardization for the lowest owned players before running any geomine rule. All right, good question there. Uh, Elder has a question. And Elder said, Hey, Andrew, reposting here a question I posted in the support channel just in case it's something addressable during office hours. Totally okay. If not, thank you. Okay. Um, Got it here. And then this was the question. If I stop a build before it reaches 5,000 lineups, am I sacrificing anything? If so, what am I sacrificing? Thank you. Okay, good question here. Uh, so are you sacrificing anything? I mean, you're just sacrificing like optionality or, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger the pool, the more like mini niche you can get to, the more options you can get to. I think that, you know, one thing that uh, maybe we haven't mentioned in a while is that, you know, the builder is not building lineups uh, based on like best to worst, right? The builder kind of builds all the lineups and then Sabre score goes in and say, okay, you know, let me sort through all these lineups and then figure out which one are the best based on, you know, my, my Sabre score equation that I'm using and then shift them all around. Right. So what I'm trying to say is like your best lineup could be built in, you know, 4,227, like whatever, you know? And then when Sabre score comes in, it's like, oh, Hey, this is a really good lineup down here. Let me like move this one up to the top, right? So uh, Saber Score is going to, you know, iterate through all the lineups you have built. I think if you're in a time crunch, it's totally okay to, you know, I would highly recommend you stop it. So if, if you know, a build is running, you're at, you know, lineup 250 out of 500. If you hit the stop, all that's going to do is like, okay, hey, we're not going to build any more lineups. We're just going to roll with the ones we have. And then Saber Score will go in and do the same exact thing of grading the lineups and putting the best toward the top of your pool. Uh, but, you know, if you're in a time crunch, I would highly recommend stopping lineups and making sure you can get your lineups in. The worst thing you could do is have no lineups in your entries. So not not losing a bunch other than just additional lineups for the builder to shift through and uh, more options for you to, like, dive into your pool further if you're looking for certain exposures or uh, want to set a higher mini uniques, et cetera. All right. Uh, Neil has a question here. Neil said, this is our last question in the discord, everybody. And then we'll jump over to the YouTube chat. Okay. So Neil said, I see that you can now sort by sim optimals. Isn't this going to create a duping problem? If multiple saber users were to use this sorting method in showdown, for example. Um, 
and then Chuck jumped in here. I'm gonna jump in. So so no, this would not be a uh, like how how can I say this? So what is happening when we are doing this is that you know we are randomly sampling the sim database, right? But this is only for the times that for the sims that we pulled for for your build for this one build. So when we run a uh, showdown, I forget where we were when we did that. I think we we're in NASCAR. So I'm gonna go back to NASCAR really quickly here. NASCAR, pull up this build that we ran. So we're, we're we're randomly sampling the build pool, right? We're pulling like 500 lineups. Uh, this is for the lineups that we pulled for you, right? So when we pull these sims, we are running the sim and then, okay, it's sim optimal, great, it gets a lineup. And then we run uh, the race a second time. Okay, it's sim optimal again. You know, can't use this lineup, gonna note that it's a sim optimal. And then that will go into what gets factored in your Sabre score 2.0, single game metric and then we we do it again and then we do it again and then we get your 500 lineups right so um is this going to create a duping problem no not more not any more than it does like not it's not going to matter any more than duping with other users in your contest is going to do i think that you know at the end of the day uh saber sim is like a small portion of like any contest um lobby or like entry you know if there's like 20,000 users in a contest. I don't, I don't know what the percentage of Saber Sim users is. I don't think that you should worry about it because our all, overall, our Sim database is full of like thousands and thousands of Sims. I don't actually know the number. And then we're randomly sampling it. And then these Sim optimals are based on what Sims we pulled for you and then how many times that happened in that one occurrence. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that overall. Um, I, I do think that's like an opportunity to apply some type of like geometric uh, mean rule in like the home screen or something like that to help you uh, avoid duplication in general in sports that are um, dupe heavy. All right. Good question there, Neil. And uh, jumping over to the YouTube chat. First question was from Mike Carr. Mike said, NBA process. If you like three to five value players, would you group them and use example, use at least two or up their projections? Okay. Good question here. So frankly, if you know what you want, the best thing you can do is just tell SaberSim that very bluntly, um, especially in like a sport where you're not going to need an optimal, right? So for NBA, we are trying to build the winning lineup. We are not trying to build the highest scoring lineup as possible, right? So, you know, if second place is 350 points, guess what? You only need 351, right? You do not need 370, 400, whatever. You just need to beat the other lineups in your contest. So I think it's okay to just come in and set a group rule. And then, and then exactly like you said, you know, just do some type of like manual group rule, check in your guys, and then say use at least two or however many you want, right? I think that's totally okay. Um, I like to run this experiment where, you know, when I'm building my own lineups, uh, let's say that I do my research and I think that, you know, RJ Hampton is going to play more minutes than we are projecting. What I like to do in that scenario is like, okay, before I go in and increase Hampton's projection, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really set any rules, but if I were to set a rule, you know, before I go in and set any rules, how much is the builder giving him uh, naturally? And do I actually need to set a rule for this player or, um, you know, for this group of players, right? So I'm just hopping back over to FanDuel because I already ran a build here. But then I would go into the post build 
and then you know essentially just like run a build for the slate um regardless of of what time it is like a test build almost and then type in hampton and then the answer to this one would be no i'm not getting him so maybe i do want to set um a rule or increase his exposure or something but but you know maybe that player was instead uh bam Adebayo, who's at seven percent owned and in 80 percent of our lineups here uh you know, a player like Bam would not need any additional projection boost or rule to get him in your lineups, right? So then I would probably like remove him from that rule and just let the builder handle him naturally because it's already thinking he's a good play. Uh, and the reason I would do it that way is because, you know, I want to set as minimum restrictions as possible. And if I do not need to set it for Bam, then I'm not going to. And then I would keep that rule smaller to a, uh, you know, from five players to four players and then keep that rule in those four players and then let the BAM exposure kind of happen more naturally. So that's the way I like to think about it. Um, I think it's good to like, if you have takes, just run test builds and see if the builder agrees with you or not, and then figure out what you need to do from that point forward. So really good question there, Mike. All right. Next question here from Franklin McBride said, what's up, Andrew? Thanks again for helping me with my process and taking down a GPP. Wish I had that uh, 403 in the main. Hey man, it happens. Uh, you know, the good thing is that, you know, you got to that lineup, whatever you're doing is helping you uh, to become a better player. You're always on this show. So happy to hear of your success. All right. AJ said, dropping in to share some love. I won the Roto Grinders FanDuel single entry GPP series this week with the help from Saber Sims projections right on AJ. Congrats, my man. Glad to hear you're having some success and uh, make sure you're wearing a Saber logo and participate in the Saber Sim winners circle. For those of you guys who are not aware, we do have like a rewards program where uh, we give you guys free months, free gear and uh, a, a screenshot. If you, if you have our Saber Sim logo, take a screenshot of your win, post it on Twitter, Art and tag us at Sabersim. Uh, we will reach out to you. Make sure we hook you up with some gear, some free months, etc. So if you're looking for more information on that, you can find that on just like the Sabersim uh, website. So if you just go to Sabersim.com, I'll show you guys really quickly here. Sabersim.com, up at the top, the winner circle. Uh, we have rules about how to enter and and um, you know uh, where you can download our avatar. And then you can, one, get featured on this page, and then, two, win a bunch of awesome free prizes along the way. So check it out if you're not already, uh, you know, participating. All right. Next question from Hiker Willie. I noticed on tonight's NHL slate, the builder defaults to allow skaters versus opposing goalies, probably due to small slate size. I think I may turn that off. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, It is a three-game hockey slate tonight, so... Frankly, I think that, you know, it's probably okay, especially with goalies being like super variant, a super variant position in general. I think there's like a lot, I I mean, I've listened to all Scott's videos and there's a lot of discussion on like fading the top owned goalie, like more often than not, because goalies are like super variant. So I think it's okay to leave on Uh, if you want to experiment, you know, run a build with it on and run a build with it off and then see what those lineups look like and then make a determination from there. Right. I think that's totally okay, but I'm most likely going to leave it on uh, just because there are people who understand NHL better than I do that have determined that for a three game slate, it is okay to uh, allow this type of construction. So that's the way I like to think about it. Not a huge NHL guy. 
uh, just kind of uh, mostly like dabbling most nights. All right. Scrolling down here, uh, we are coming up on the uh, end of the show here. If anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. Sheets has a question. I'm sure this has been covered at some point, but with respect to the adjusted ownership column, which was just added, how does that mesh, if at all, with customized ownership? Keep up the great work. Yeah, Sheets, no, I saw you in the uh, True DFS Discord. Uh, if you got, if you have anything else uh, you, know, you want to ask, just tag me there and I'll be happy to answer it. Uh, but as far as adjusted ownership, so adjusted ownership does change based on custom projections. So it is really essentially like a, a formula or like an algorithm. Uh, so we can just test this here, right? So I have this my own uh, for Chris Duarte at 42%, adjusted own at 37%. If I change this to 20, his adjusted ownership is also going to change. And that goes down to 19 there. And then, you know, not only does it affect him, but it really has like a trickle down effect on other players in general. So I'm pretty sure this happens on a uh, positional basis here. So if I change, uh, let, let's just go with uh, Nemhard here at 53%. If I change Nemhard's adjusted ownership, that is going to change the adjusted ownership of other players at this position because, um, you know, and let me, let me just make sure. So Kyrie is at 26.76. And then Kyrie drops to 26.07 here. So I'm going to have to refresh myself on some of the content that was just released. Uh, this came out on Friday and I was traveling Friday and haven't had a chance to listen to the pro exclusive video that Matt and Jordan did or um, some of the content that Jordan released on this update. But, you know, to answer your question, it is going to change. And then um, it is going to affect the entire, you know, point guard position or anybody eligible for that position because it has uh, something to do with um, looking at the average ownership of that position. I'm almost positive that's the correct terminology, but I'll refresh myself on that. And then we can talk more about that in our uh, video if we end up doing that. All right. Next question here from Ryan. Ryan said, CSGO is so great because the edge is so big, but also you only have to compete with a thousand lives every day. So you get to realize your edge so quickly uh ryan that is true you know uh the smaller the contest the easier it is going to be for you to realize that edge that's why you know in our profit plan we uh talk about this balance between single entries and three maxes versus 20 max 150 maxes it's gonna be a lot harder to realize your edge in those bigger contests that's why it's important to mix in these smaller type contests uh where you can get more of your money back on a night to night basis or realize some of your edge and have some takedowns and some single entries and three maxes but that being said i think niche sports are a great place to spend time and learn and you'll be able to just add more edge i think will does a great job with all of our esports models league and csgo uh you know big shout out to will on the models team for just being so diligent and making these great models. But yeah, uh, glad to hear you are having uh, success in CSGO, and I hope it continues for you. Uh, Mike said, thank you. Yep, happy to help. Thanks for uh, sticking around the entire show, waiting for your question to be answered. Willie K said, uh, defense, okay to play a player or two against your goalie, especially if you play a cheaper goalie on such a short slate. I know during the uh, NBA All-Star break, Willie was around here uh, shedding some light, help helping us out with some NHL strategy. So Willie, thanks, man. Always appreciate the insight. And then uh looks like Sheets was pretty happy that uh, the adjusted ownership does change. So 
awesome. Uh, glad we were able to uh, demonstrate that and, and get you a solid answer. So no worries on that one. All right, Patrick said, is there one player that's on your do not playlist for NBA main slate, regardless of its good value or not? Mine is Dylan Brooks. <laughs> so I know um, I know a lot of people do this, and I know that um, you know I've, I've even heard of like top players doing this, right? For me, frankly, it's no. Um, I am like totally open to fading guys, but I'm usually doing it on either like an exploitative level or on like a, uh, I adjusted this guy's ownership because I don't think he's a good play and, or maybe I think he's going to play less minutes or something like that. But there's never anybody I come in here and just uncheck because I don't like them or whatever. There are guys like I'm, 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 I'm concerned about where it's like, okay, you know, uh, the field thing, this guy's really good value for a reason. I do not understand. Uh, I might end up playing none of him. I've seen that happen like multiple times this year. I think a good example is Kyle Anderson. Uh, for me, I've seen like on these, there there are some slates where there's not a lot of value and those slates might not happen as much in the second half of the season, but it happens more like the first half of the season where there's almost like no injury news or no value spots that the field just gravitate, gravi- gravitates towards like a reasonably priced player who grades out well on like a fantasy point per minute basis. And like somebody that happens to a lot is Kyle Anderson. And like, I've seen his ownership get up to like, you know, 50%. He's like 5,300. And it's like, why is Kyle Anderson like 50% owned? And then I look through it. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, uh, Carl Anthony Towns is playing or, or, you know, everyone on the team is healthy. Uh, why is he value? And then, you know, in, in that instance, I, I think it's more just because, like, there's not a lot of places to go and, like, I'll do some exploitative stuff. So he's somebody that, like, pops in my mind from time to time. But uh, I never come in and, like, hard X anybody. I'm open to playing anybody on any slate. Ryan said, Josh Hart, lock button whenever he is on the slate is always my default. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. And, like, you know, it's always better to play a guy who, like, always does good when you play him versus like a guy that like never does good. There's definitely some uh, bias in that. So I, I would, I, I, I try to refrain from that as much as possible. Uh, Patrick says, Sims, you don't support, we lose the ownership fade. How do we add the value in, uh, in to replace the ownership slider pre built? Um, so this is a good question. And one that I might have to like circle back on, so ultimately, what's a sport that we don't support? You know, you know, the list is getting smaller, guys. Uh, we are starting to support more and more sports. I think the next big ones will obviously be like college sports. Um, so like, let's say, you know, you're building for March Madness. Um, I think the best thing you could do is like wherever you get your projections, hopefully they have ownership fade projections as well. So um, I would just like try and get ownership projections for both here our ownership projections and regular projections. I would never recommend building using salaries. I'm just doing that so we can run a build here, but you know, good point on the ownership fade slider uh, being taken away, but we should still be able to grade for ownership in the post build, which is why I'm running a build here. So just want to get this going. Uh, so we still, we still do have the Sabre score 2.0 drop downs here. And then you could see like what the formula is. So I, I think that this would be a reason why it would be important to get ownership projections from wherever you get your uh, 
player projections for this sport that we don't support and make sure those are loaded into the app as well so we can uh, grade for ownership in the post build here. But, you know, actually, I might have to get back to you guys on this because the formula that I'm seeing here is for average adjusted ownership. And without Sims, we do not have average adjusted ownership here. So Patrick, this is a really good question, my man. Uh, I don't have a good answer for you here. I'm going to get with the team on this one and make sure I get you an answer. So uh, we'll circle back on that one tomorrow. So let me just make a note for myself. Patrick, question, need answer. All right. So good question there. I think that's a solid spot for us to end the show today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Glad to be back after the three-day break. But we will be right back here tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, for our next show. So until then, take care, good luck in your contest, and I will see you. Bye.